that's you the reality to today. There, there's no reason to write or design sake, sure for desktop interfaces anymore. Yeah, that might be 20, 30% of your traffic, but you really need to go mobile first with everything. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Brian Clayton from GreenPal. Brian, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's great to have you on here, and it's great to see another entrepreneur who's bootstrapped a business, and that's kind of the whole reason that we have you on the show today is we wanted to talk about that. Hey, before you know, we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and kind of what GreenPal is? Yeah, so I'm CEO, co-founder of GreenPal. In one sentence, GreenPal is like the Uber for lawn mowing. So let's say you need to get someone to come cut your grass. You just jump on the GreenPal app or the GreenPal website. You sign up, and in less than a minute, you'll get five quotes back from lawn care services nearby you. You can read over reviews, read over statistics on how often they show up on time, and hire the one you want to work with. And then after that goes well, if it if you want, you can book them for the rest of the lawn mowing season right through the app. Everything just happens magically, scheduling and payment. This all happens in the background. And so it's kind of like the Uber for lawn mowing. That's fantastic. And so before you started Green Pal, and we can get more into how you started that in a minute, you used to own a company called Peachtree. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So I, I've never had a job. I've never had a boss. I've always owned my own businesses. And my dad forced me to mow the neighbor's yard as a way to, to earn extra money. And so luckily he did when I was a teenager and I started cutting grass all through high school, just as a way to make extra cash. And then in college, I put myself through school uh, mowing yards. After I graduated college, I had to figure out, okay, am I going to go into the job market and basically take a pay cut? Or am I going to double down on this landscaping business that I had? And luckily, I decided to do the latter. And I I developed a plan and grew that into a real landscaping business over a 15-year period of time and over 150 employees, $10 million a year in revenue. And in, in 2013, that business was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And so after that, I kind of took some time off, reevaluated what I wanted to do with my life. And I realized that I was wired to love business. I was wired to love entrepreneurship. And so I just had a, had a yearning to get back in the game, get back in the trenches. And so the idea for GreenPal was very clear to me. It was very evident that, that this thing needed to exist because for 15 years, I saw how difficult it was for homeowners to find a good fit lawn mowing service just to come do this basic chore for them. Our office at at my previous company, the phone would ring off the hook with people just needing basic lawn mowing services. Our company had grown to a point where we no longer offered these services. It wasn't profitable for us, but we were always trying to refer these phone calls out to smaller operators and it just became a mess. And so I I saw that, that I saw what, what Airbnb and Uber Uber and Lyft were doing in terms of making analog transactions happen a, a lot smoother. And so I knew that GreenPal needed to exist. I'd recruited two co-founders and we just started working on it. And uh, it was a tough, it was a tough slog in the early days because we were, were self-funded. None of us knew how to write software. And so not only did we have to like try to like get this thing going from scratch, but we had to learn how to build software and learn how to market software on the fly. And so it was the first three or four years were excruciatingly tough. But now here we are six, seven years in. We have over 200,000 users that use the platform on a weekly basis to get their grass cut, and we're going to do $20 million in revenue this year. So things are going well now, but the first uh, few years were very much an exercise of faith. 
Right. And it's fantastic that you could bootstrap that. Now, I, I guess I'm curious about you have two co-founders. Is that right? That's correct. And so none of them were, I mean, you see a lot of entrepreneur companies where they have a technical co-founder, right? And there's like a front of the house person and a, and a back of the house person kind of thing. You know, ideally you get, uh, when you're, when you're trying to start a, a tech company, you would get a hustler and a hacker is kind of, uh, is kind of what they say. And so we were just three hustlers. We were three people that knew how to grow businesses, three people that were willing to work the 60, 70, 80, 100 hour weeks in the early days. And so we really all wanted to build something and get in and make something big, but none of us knew how to write code. None of us knew how to design software. So these were soft skills we had to learn ourselves as we went. Nice. Man, you know, we bootstrapped our companies originally, then we merged them. So so my my current company is a merger of two previous kind of side hustle type businesses. We were both IT contractors and in marketing organizations. And then we had these side businesses and we merged them. And then uh, that became what we have now. But we we have kind of the opposite problem, right? We had we had like two hackers. <laughs> Luckily, I had done some sales and stuff when I was younger. But, you know, and it's funny, I think a lot of people, their first money making business like entrepreneur is like mowing lawns. You know, the day of running a paper route is, is over. Right. <laughs> Right, right, right. It's the ultimate side hustle. It's the great small business to be in. And it's an awesome way to cut your teeth on, on entrepreneurship because there's so many fundamentals in this simple business that apply to every business, whether it be just listening to your customer, whether it be like the running a business that delivers results time and time and time again. These are just simple fundamentals that exist in the lawn mowing business that any entrepreneur can get started. You don't have to do like I did and live your whole life in it. You can do it just for a year. Just, just as a way to like get your feet wet in the idea of owning your own business. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm from Canada originally. And so the, the Canadian version is shoveling snow, right? <laughs> yeah. You go shovel driveways. Mm -hmm. So are you still located in Tennessee now? Yeah, we're still based out of Nashville, Tennessee, which has been a proven to be a great place to start a bootstrap tech startup because the rents here are cheap. Engineers here are half the money that they are out West. And it's just a, it's just a, a really good place to like hunker down and go slow and low and build something that's sustainable and build something off of its own revenues. Luckily we, we started here. If we had started like in San Francisco or in the Bay area, we may not be around right now because it's just so much more expensive to operate out there. So for us, like the really lean, mean bootstrapped way has been one of the fundamental pillars to our success because here we are now we're in 2020 we're, we're in the middle of covid you know i've slept well every night you know i've never lost a night's sleep about my business because because i know that we're profitable i know that we're making money i know that we can pay all of our bills and all of our people whereas you know if we had done the traditional like silicon valley raise a bunch of money and just pour it all in and see what happens you know we, we probably wouldn't be here yeah, there's uh, definitely a huge dollar in in on the West Coast, pretty much everywhere. I mean, developers are expensive and the burn rate gets so fast when you have, you know, so many high expenses like that. You guys aren't. Uh, so you're not in danger of being hit by Hurricane Sally there, are you? I know it was hitting the coast, but yesterday morning. 
So, you know, it's uh, in the early days, we had to really watch weather and what, what, what the weather was going to do because it affected our sales. But now we're nationwide. And so, like, we're in every single major city in the United States. And so now the, the weather patterns don't affect us that much. But, yeah, our southern markets, you know, are, are, are putting up zeros right now because nobody's doing anything. Yeah, I guess it's hard to mow the lawn when it's flooding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we as part of our software's job is to make sure that your lawn mowing service shows up on time and that he's he or she is communicating with you about expectations right. around when am I going to be able to come out. So it's kind of like our software, our platform is kind of like their boss in a pocket. And so it's funny you bring this up. We've we've had contractors reach out to us and say, hey, listen, you know, this hurricane's coming in. We're not going to be able to mow for two weeks. What do we do? You know, it's like, okay, just follow the steps in the platform. You know, you need to communicate with your clientele about what they can expect. So it's, it's very much a system that holds them accountable to run a, a well-run landscaping company, to be proactive with communication to manage the schedule. And then in turn, the homeowner gets a, a level of service that you typically don't get if you hire a smaller lawn mowing service. So if you're just finding some dude on Craigslist or something, you never know if he's going to show up or what equipment he has or, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. You have a basically it's two sided marketplace, right? You've got the consumer side of the people hiring and then you've got your other clients are the people who are the lawn mowing people. And do you find that it's I mean, it, it seems very easy on the front end to use. And so I took a look at your website, you know, before we were talking, uh, the yourgreenpal.com. It's Y-O-U-R greenpal.com. There's a little dude on a lawnmower on there. You can see when you get on. I thought that was actually a good picture. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So it's pretty easy, right? You just, you click the button, you go in, you get a quote, you know, or you get, I think it's five quotes he said you can get, right? And then it, it'll book your system for you. How does it work for the people who are signing up to be the service providers? Yeah. So to your point on the homeowner side, dead simple. We want to make every interface, every screen as simple as so an eight-year-old could use it. You get there in three seconds, you understand what it does. We have a saying, when you get to any of our landing pages, you need to be able to answer the following questions in less than three seconds. Where am I? What can I do here? And why does it matter? And so we craft all of our inter interfaces in such a fashion on the, on the consumer side to where it's just dead simple. There's only one thing you can do, get your grass cut. Now on the, so if we go like an inch deep on the consumer side and offering that convenience on the vendor side, we go a mile deep. So it's everything that they need to, to operate their business from scheduling, routing, placing bids, reaching out to people who you placed a bid for and they didn't hire you. All of the data that goes into crafting your bid. Here's the average price in this zip code. Here's here. You have three zip, customers in this zip code. And so all of this data, like we suck up and then we present it to our users so they can make better decisions. And on the vendor side, we literally give them intelligence on how to better run their business more efficiently, how to price new, new work tighter and better, but to where they can also make a profit. And so all of the nuances that go into running a landscaping business over the last six years, we've surfaced and built tools for. And so on the vendor side, we, we offer all of these things to be kind of like the honey to attract them and get them to stick around. So then on the homeowner side, you can just essentially hire them off the shelf, which 
doesn't exist in, in the traditional world. If you do want to get this service done, it's like you said, you have to dial for dollars. You have to pull people off Craigslist or Facebook or off Yelp. You still have to call them. You still have to leave a voicemail. You still have to hope they show up. And maybe if they do the first time, they disappear the second time. Our platform solves all of those problems on, for the homeowner and then helps the lawn pro stay organized and doing the things they need to be doing to run a successful business. I mean, it's super important to have, you know, kind of a pre-vetted service because the way that it works on the Internet now is you type in lawn mowing Hillsborough because I'm in Hillsborough. Right. And then you just go down the list because they all look the same. Right. You have no idea if they're really going to show up or not. You don't have any idea if the pricing is going to be, you know, they're going to change it a week in and, you know, all of the things that can happen. You know, somebody might just show up for a couple of weeks, then never show up again. You know, they ghost you, whatever the problem is. Right. But when you have the ability to see that they're pre-vetted in the reviews and, and stuff on there, it's a little better than trying to dig through something you know, like Yelp that's, you know, full of fake garbage reviews and half of them get weeded out anyway. And there's all kinds of problems. Right. Trying to find a service provider. One thing I wanted to mention is, is your your website is actually really, really user friendly. So I used to work as a user interface designer. So I, you know, I have some skill in this neighborhood. But what you were talking about is making sure that every screen, you know, the, the user understands where they are and what they're supposed to do. There's an interesting kind of user interface, a uh, user experience design theme. It's called the the user is drunk. <laughs> so true. And the idea behind it is that you can get you can get software that makes stuff look blurry when you look at it on the Internet and you have to go through and try and use the website as if you were drunk. Right. So you have to go through and be like, well, I can't see what this button says, but I'm going to you know, click it. And anyways, the idea is that it has to be so abs- I know you said it has to be simple enough, you know, like a seven or eight year old could use it. That's absolutely true. Your website should be so simple that anyone can figure out how to use it without having any special skills. They don't have to search for stuff. They don't have to look around. Yeah, that's that's very, 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 very true, especially if you're if you're bootstrapped, you have to like focus. Focus is everything. And so you have to really be the best in the world at one thing. And so for us, we have focused on building the platform that makes this one chore just as simple as pushing a button and getting it done. We wouldn't be able to deliver on that had we not focused on this one thing. So from a user experience standpoint, there is just one thing you can do. Now, after you get set up with a great lawn mowing service and, and he or she is booked for the rest of the, of the lawn mowing season, we then unlock the ability for you to add on shrub pruning, mulch, seed, fertilizing, gutter cleaning, even snow plowing, all of these other things. But we, we, we keep those all on the back end of the user journey because if we put them all on the front end, you would just be confused and you would be paralyzed by choice. And so for us, we made a big bet in the early days to focus on just on crafting the best solution for this one thing. And if you arrive to our, our homepage or landing page and you need this one thing, guess what? You're at the best place in the world to get it done. And, and so in the early days, like when we had, I had three co-founders, we, we split up the duties like this. One guy was a little more engineering focused. And so we, we sent him to software school and he focused on learning backend code and, 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 and developing the app at a core level. And then we knew that, that we needed to figure out marketing and growth hacking. And so my other co-founders focused on nothing but PR, reaching out to journalists, getting them to talk about our, our platform. And then I focused on 
product, user experience. How do you, how do we create a dead simple product? And one of the things I learned in those early days that stuck with me is uh, in product development, there is the, the, what's called the law of the red route. And what this means is it's an analogy to in London, the buses that go through the city follow the street and on the street in the middle of the street, there's a red line that runs through the street. And so that red line just goes right through the city and and, and it doesn't stop for anything. And the bus cannot deviate from that red line. It can only go on that one path. And so, so this concept of the law of the red route can be applied to product design in terms of the user can only go forward with one path. you can't send them on all of these divergent paths. You, I mean, maybe you can. There's products that do, right? Like you can go to like Expedia or Airbnb or, and do a million different things. But but if you use Uber, you know, there's one thing, push a button, get a ride. So our strategy was more towards that experience of this does one thing. There's a red route that runs right through it. You can't screw it up. Right. There's a there's a serious problem, especially in the service provider world. And, you know, to talk about it in the landscaping area, since we're already talking about there, when we have a company, you know, that's a landscaping company and they come to us and and maybe they want to fix up their website or something. The first thing that they always say is they're like, okay, well, here's a list of everything that we do and we want all of it on our homepage, right? We want lawn mowing and trimming and rocks. We put in a fountain and we'll put it, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do this, we'll do that. And it's absolutely the wrong way to do it, right? Because you're absolutely right. It muddies the waters. Decision paralysis is a real thing. People, it just makes it look cluttered and crappy. What it needs to do is what is your service in one breath kind of thing, right? And then... How do I get started? And you can mention all that stuff on a service page or something on your website, right? You don't need to have it all up front. And I think you guys are absolutely doing it the, the right way, right? The whole red line idea, the, the Gary Keller, the one thing focus. Yeah, I think uh, to your point about, about dealing with small business owners and, and even landscapers is that you know, they may not be sophisticated business operators. They've never really studied their value proposition. They don't really understand what it is that they do better than their com- competition. So they kind of just throw spaghetti at the wall. And one thing that helped us has always helped me and my businesses is crafting my value proposition, understanding what it is that we do better than anybody else in the world, or if you're a small business, better than anybody else in your market. And so a question that we ask ourselves is, is if I'm your ideal prospect, why would I do business with you other than anybody else that I could choose? That forces you to really hone in on who your ideal prospect is first. And so to your point, like they have 40 different services on their homepage. Well, I mean, what's the bread and butter of this business? Where is like the 80-20 on revenue coming from? And let's hone in on that. Let's focus on who is the ideal prospect. And then why would I do business with you versus anybody else that I could hire? Like that focuses you to do two very important things. Who's the ideal prospect and why am I better than my competition? And as simple as these things sound, even I myself, I lose focus on them. And really that's all that matters. And so to your point, a lot of small business owners have never really been exposed to these heuristics. And so that's important, you know, for anybody in business to always be mindful of what your business proposition is and, and how you're doing it better than your competition. And I mean, it's not just this one industry, it's every industry, right? You can look at almost any industry and you can look at their homepage and they're trying to cram every single thing that they do onto the homepage and get it in your face. And what it does is it just makes it so that there's giant pages of text that nobody's going to read. Exactly. And and, and, and and then you look at like 80% of, of traffic now is on mobile. 
with some exceptions. I mean, that, that, that compounds the problem even further. It's like you can't fit it all on a mobile device. Nobody wants to read a giant block of text. Mm-mm. That's what we call it, the block of text. Right, exactly. It's actually in our, so we do an email marketing course called Inbox Mastery. And one of our kind of classes in that course is about the block of text because exactly. people write and, and people do this with their web design also. They write it on a computer, but then people look at it on a phone. So it automatically makes every line of text that you write on the computer into three or four lines on a phone. So they write this three line paragraph. They yeah. think it's fine, not realizing it's going to be 12 lines, take up the entire screen on on somebody's cell phone. You, you really have to start mobile first these days. You know, one of the, one of the stories of Mark Zuckerberg back in 2012, I, he like threw a freaking fit. And he says, nobody bring me anything that is not on a mobile device. I don't want to see any interfaces. I don't want to I don't want to approve or look at anything that is not on a mobile phone because that's the future. And he, he could see that in like 2011, 2012, but that's the reality to today. There's no reason to write or design for desktop interfaces anymore. Yeah. That might be 20, 30% of your, of your traffic, but you really need to go mobile first with everything. If not, you know, you're trying to then cram it back down in and, and it's just not going to be effective. Yeah. If you have a consumer market, it's definitely going to be around those percentages. If it's a B2B or something like a that, a lot of times, it's, yeah, it's going to be the other way around. But they still are going to be using smaller screens because a lot of people use stuff like tablets and Chromebooks and, you know, like a Surface tablet or something like that. Here's the the the, the asterisk there, though. The, the, the phenomenon that we're noticing, we're seeing is that we're B2B in a sense, right? We market to lawn care services that are businesses to use our platform. But what we've seen as platforms like ours kind of democratize business ownership and push it down to make it more accessible, that business owners actually behave like consumers. So you almost have to treat and and like reach out to them as if they were a consumer because they're not a C-suite executive sitting in their office with a 20-inch wide widescreen monitor. They're actually trying to like engage with your B2B solution while they're sitting in traffic or they're like getting off of work and they want to they want to do this thing that you have to offer for them. So that's something we're noticing is like business, like the B2B is are kind of behaving like consumers in a way that we've never seen before. Yeah. If that business is a service provider, that their service that they provide is in person, they are almost always going to be on their phone, right? Because, you know, if you're a real estate agent, you know, plumber, electrician, carpenter, lawn care, lawn maintenance, all of those people who, you know, live in their truck, HVAC, you know, that kind of stuff, everything needs to be designed for their phone also. I really like the copywriting on your website also, and I wanted to make a quick mention of it because copywriting is is what sells, right? And when it comes down to it, everything needs to look nice and, you know, it has to be in the right spots and all those kinds of things. The colors need to be good. The branding needs to be good. But the words, the actual copywriting is what sells it. And you have a really simple slogan on your website just says lawn care made easy. It has, you know, a little kind of very short blurb about the three things that are going to happen when you click the button. And then has a button that says get my free quotes. That's absolutely simplified down to what the person needs to know. And nowadays people don't want to read. But they have to read. So, and, and it's tough, too, because for, for SEO, for search engine optimization, you do have to have some copy on the page for Google to even understand what it's about. So it's, it's a delicate balance. But a mentor of mine in the early days, a couple of key things that he taught me to stick out is, is as a quote by 
Ernest Hemingway and he said, make every word count. And so when you're writing copy, like every single word has to count. And the, and the other thing too, is when you're designing an interface, even it doesn't matter if you have a house cleaning company, a construction company, or if you want to start the next Uber for X, like startup, your interface, you should probably start with the words first, like blank Google Doc and the copy and how that's going to lay out on the page because the words are what sell. And so you kind of take your first crack at it. Then you need to show it to a bunch of friends and family. I think every business owner needs to study copywriting to a degree to be decent at it. And then the next thing you need to do is you have to look at it from the perspective of customer logic and not company logic. So a lot of times we get, we fall into this trap as business owners of when we write our copies, like we write about what we care about. We write about it from company logic or business owner logic, when in fact you need to be writing about it with customer logic. Only real good way to like close that gap is to talk to your customers, read reviews about what they're saying about your your service and competitor services, and and just try to put your mind into their head and vice versa and your, yourself into their shoes to really close the gap between customer logic and company logic when you're crafting your copy. That's hard to do. It's not easy to do. And most business owners just skip over it, don't even know to do it. Right. And then there's always the there's there's a failure that happens in copywriting consistently, which is is a knowledge gap. Right. They call it the curse of knowledge. It's where you know everything about your industry and you try to dumb it down. And your dumbed down version is more than what the average consumer still knows about it. Absolutely. Then you, you start using things like jargon, like industry terms that people don't understand what they are and things like that happen constantly. I see it every day. I think you guys have done a really good job on, on the user experience and the presentation. And I mean, let's face it, nowadays, everything's about user experience. Yes. It's like, like you look at the world-class companies, they set the bar so high. The, the Uber, the Lyfts, Instacart, DoorDash, even Amazon, these companies have just like, that's the expectation that consumers have, even business owners have, when they engage with your product, even if you don't even have an app or a digital service, they expect world-class reliability. That's the expectation that consumers have. So you have to like close the gap between whatever it is you're doing and as close to that as you can, or else you're not going to make it. Yeah. In a world where anyone can go on any device onto Amazon and order anything in the entire world and get it delivered to their house for free shipping in two days, it's a difficult bar to get over. And I think the competency bar is is really high these days. You know, so you have to make sure that all of these things are right on point. So let me ask you this. Is there anything, Brian, that I have not asked you yet that you think would be important for our listeners to know? You know, the art of not giving up might be like appropriate right now. I'm sure a lot of business owners are sucking wind. We're in the middle of the, of the COVID thing. You know, whenever you're listening to this, if you're in the restaurant or restaurant business anyway, I mean, you're just wondering what the hell you're doing right now. So, I mean, I, I empathize with, with people who are getting affected by this. But that said, like there is an opportunity to take your business down to the studs and to rebuild it right. And like looking at this and reframing it as an, as an opportunity and not something that's happening to you as a business owner, but something that's happening for you will, will really spell the difference between success and failure. And also like you looking back at this five or 10 years from now, and in a weird way, like being glad that it happened because this is the event that is enabling you to almost like reboot, restart over and fix all the things that you hate about your business and build it right to, like, again because you're going to strip it down to the studs. 
that's like how I'm looking at it. You know, although our business is, is actually prospering through this, but I do some coaching and mentoring for business owners in Nashville for free. And what I'm trying to get them to do is to reframe this as an opportunity and not as something that is just spelling doom for their business. Right. There's just so much opportunity in the world. And I know it's hard to see it when kind of the wheels are coming off. But, you know, we have done the same thing in our business late March when the writing was on the wall that COVID was going to be here to stay. We doubled down on podcasts. We started releasing three, four episodes a week, all about finding who can we find that can help business owners stay alive through this. Right. We did the same thing locally through our Chamber of Commerce and stuff like that. We're helping people find funding and and grant programs and and just education and stuff. And all that stuff really helps. You know, that has also, you know, improved our business. And it's, it's not why we did it, but in turn, that did help our business over the long run. And, you know, mentoring and coaching, as you were saying, absolutely. I think that if you are in a position to be doing that kind of stuff, you should be because, you know, it definitely pays off both in, you know, it feels good to help people and, you know, disseminate your knowledge and stuff, but also, a thriving small business economy will help your local economy be able to handle things like, you know, like you guys have hurricanes out there right now. In, and I'm not directly in Tennessee, but pretty close. I think it's Louisiana right now, Hurricane Sally. And, you know, we've got wildfires all down through Washington, California and Oregon. You know, they put out a fire that was like almost five miles from my house just like a couple of days ago. That was, you know, hundreds of miles across. There's still one burning. I mean, you can't see across the street from the smoke right now at my house. But you need to have a business that is resilient to these kinds of of tragedies because I don't think that they're going away. Absolutely. And, and you really, one of my favorite books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things that uh, Dr. Stephen Covey, the author of that book, talks about is that you have all of it, you have all these things in your circle of concern. So wildfires, COVID, all of these things that are happening, they're in your circle of concern. You really can't do anything about them, but you have this little smaller circle in the, in the middle, and that's your circle of influence. And these are the things that you can do. You can act inside of that circle of influence. And as you do, the circle of influence, grows. And so to your point, whether it be like, you know, you, you said you just, you double down your podcasting, you got more engaged with your chamber of commerce, you did some mentoring, like that helps manufacture the momentum that, that gets you through something like this. You might not be able to connect the dots between X and Y, but, but the thing is you are acting in your, your circle of, of influence. And that's kind of how you drive through these, these crises is to say, okay, what can I actually act on? What can I actually do? And then you do that. And then next thing you know is you've created some momentum for yourself. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Brian, thank you for being on the show. Let me ask you before you go, what is the best way for someone to get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Sure. Email is the best way to get at me. Brian, B-R-Y-A-N at yourgreenpal.com. If you, I like uh, helping other business owners. If you email me, just put me on second or third base with what your business is and what you need help with. And I can give you my opinion based on my experience. Good. And if you need some lawn care, yourgreenpal.com. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I think we had a really good conversation. And man, I love what you guys are doing with the marketplace, like the two-sided marketplace for lawn care, because I know how much, how, how difficult it is to get that, that problem solved, right? So thanks again for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. 
Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.